Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. George Affleck in for Mike Smith today. Hope all is going well on this Friday morning. Coming up on the show after the 1030 News, we'll be talking about the BC speculation tax. We've got some concerns out there from uh, some residents and some reports that perhaps it's being a bit punitive to British Columbians themselves. In our third hour between 11 and 12, we'll be talking flu shots. Have you got your flu shot? You can go get it. Maybe you should get it. Dr. Bonnie Henry says get it. Uh, We'll also be talking about nuclear power. We're going to go nuclear here on CKNW. And also we'll be talking to uh, leadership, uh, leader hopeful for BC Liberals, Kevin Falcon, in the last half hour of the show. We'll also have your buzz lines. And I want to encourage you always to call our buzz line, 604-331-2899. is our buzz line. But first, right now, it's Baldry's Beat. And Keith Baldry joins me now, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief. Hey, Keith. Good morning, George. Thanks for joining me, as usual. Uh, I don't know when you don't work, but you seem to be on <laughs> my 11 o'clock news, my 6 o'clock news. You're on this show. It's like, I don't know what you do. You, you work constantly. But anyways, we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's busy times. What yeah, can I say? totally. Uh, since we got in this pandemic, it's uh, all our work schedules, I think, have been thrown up in the air. Yeah, totally. This, uh, this whole the, the issue of the school stuff is kind of interesting right now. I'm, I'm a bit confused because it seems like nobody's picking up on creating any kind of mandate to require teachers to get their uh, their shots. Yeah, I think trustees are find themselves in a very uh, unusual position. On the one hand, they are mandated to ensure that schools remain open, remain safe, and that education uh, services are provided. I think their concern is in some school districts, and I've been pointing this out for time and time again, even though we have high vaccination rates in healthcare, for example, 98% pretty well across the board, so 2% aren't vaccinated. Well, that 2% translates in healthcare to more than 3,000 people uh, not are basically being taken out of the system mm-hmm. uh, because they're not vaccinated. You apply that to education where you've got, you know, 40,000 teachers or so, well, two percent of that is still hundreds of teachers that would be taken out of the out of the system. So I think trustees are wrestling with this notion: how do you keep schools safe and and high levels of vaccination? On the other hand, while trying to maintain high education levels, which means employing as many teachers as possible and not removing teachers from the system because they're unvaccinated. So that's the the conundrum I think trustees face, and it does vary from district to district. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you look at, again, back to health care, I had a, a letter from a, a, a viewer in a, a small town in the interior who said they had five doctors, but two of them were unvaccinated and were leaving the system. Well, that's 40% of your doctors are gone yeah. uh, in that situation. You apply that to a, to a school district, if you, if you lose 60 teachers or 200 teachers, that can really throw a wrench in the works of how your school system is going to operate. So that's why I think you're, you're not seeing uh, districts mandating vaccines because their, their view is, well, we've got 98% probably vaccination uh, levels. Yeah. There's not a lot of school transmission, a lot, not a lot of COVID transmission in schools. The number of kids infected with COVID-19 was high at the beginning of the school year. It's starting to drop. 
you throw all that in the mix, and that's why you're not seeing any mandates. But that, that's the same argument the teacher, the, the, the medical workers have said. You know, we, hey, look, we're at ninety percent vaccination rate in some areas. Uh, why do we have to follow this mandate when uh, now the teachers don't, unless it's a regional decision? Well, because I think the evidence shows that there is COVID transmission uh, at fairly high levels at medical establishments. When you're providing health care, uh, you do have more evidence of, uh, of transmission than in the school setting. Mm-hmm. And that's what's driving the vaccine mandates in health care. Ontario, I saw a story yesterday that the numbers are popping up in Ontario now, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a concern. And, of yep. course, the one question people are starting to ask is, oh, God, please, no, we're not going to go back to, you know, you know, locking down and being put in our homes. And uh, is that yeah. what we're going to see again? This, this was the fifth wave? I don't even know what wave we're on anymore. Well, you know, Ontario is easing the lifting of restrictions because mm-hmm. of what they're seeing. And it's interesting, um, we're seeing a rise in COVID cases suddenly in the northeast part of the United States and in Ontario. And probably we're going to see that in Quebec as well. We're also seeing that in northern Europe, where suddenly Germany, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, suddenly seen an up. A tick of cases, even though you've got high vaccination rates. So hmm. nothing's ever off the table. I mean, BC in BC, our cases have been going down week to week. Our positivity rate has been declining. Our weekly cases have been declining. We were over 4,000 a week just a month ago. We're now around 3,000 a week. Uh, but again, the, the north and the interior and parts of Vancouver Island have disproportionately high high numbers, but it could easily go back up because even if you're double-dose vaccination, you're not immune from getting COVID-19 totally. We're about 45% of the cases on any given day are in fully vaccinated people. Where the, con- where the concern is, you know, the hospitalizations are primarily 75% unvaccinated people. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're probably going to have to learn to live with COVID-19 yes. and its variants. But if you're double-dosed and fully vaccinated, you're not going to have the most severe illness or severe outcome of getting COVID-19. If you're unvaccinated right now, you are running an enormous risk of getting yeah, really sick, the, if not dying. Yeah, the death toll of the numbers seem higher than they were at the height of the pandemic, uh, yeah. yet we're at 90% of vaccination rate in the lower mainland anyways. Uh, there's a, is that just because of the, the people who aren't vaccinated are just dying? Well, there's uh, on average 22 people a week who are unvaccinated are dying from COVID-19. Now, almost an equal number are dying uh, from the fully uh, vaccinated population. However, of the people dying with fully uh, vaccinated status, most of them are over the age of 80 with Mm -hmm. underlying health conditions. So they're dying with COVID-19. They may have congestive heart failure. They may have cancer. They may have heart disease. Even though they're double-dosed, their immune systems aren't aren't as strong once you cross the 80-year threshold and you are susceptible to getting all sorts of illnesses, even Mm -hmm. if you're vaccinated from COVID-19. When I talk to my in-laws in the UK, though, they're in their late 70s, and they're, the attitude that they have, and they're in South England, which is maybe not as bad as the northern part of England, no. but they, their attitude now, it seems, uh, is like, you know what, we, we're triple-dosed, uh, we're wearing our masks, we're living our lives, people are getting COVID all around them. Um, I think they're the only ones who haven't had it within their immediate family, as far as I can tell. <laughs> the, at what point do you think here in British Columbia will sort of go, you know what, we just got to let it loose and, and you know. Well, I think we're kind of doing that right now um, in, in parts of BC, not everywhere. But, you know, when we have 18,000 people at a Canucks game, mm-hmm. that's 
pretty well living with COVID-19. But we're not seeing 100% capacity in Kamloops or Kelowna right. for, the, for the Blazers or the Rockets right. because we have higher COVID numbers up there, uh, lower vaccination rates. And I think a lot of our openings and restrictions increasingly will be governed by vaccination rates and COVID uh, count rates. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're more comfortable with it. And Vancouver Coastal has relatively low COVID numbers and very high vaccination rates compared to the interior in the north. Two big stories today. Moderna announcing uh, the boosters will be available and also the story just before, uh, during the news, about uh, kids under 12 can get, well, hopefully we'll know in the next couple of weeks whether they can get mm-hmm. vaccinated or not. Two stories coming out there. What thoughts on that? A lot of interest in the 5 to 11-year-olds uh, mm-hmm. getting immunized. But interesting, Angus Reid poll a couple of weeks ago suggests about only 50% of parents are going to rush to get their kids vaccinated, about a quarter <laughs> want to have a wait-and-see approach, mm. uh, I think you're going to see, we're going to see less of a take-up in the immediate mm. uh, uh, horizon of kids getting vaccinated 5 to 11 than we saw with older kids. I think some parents are going to hold their kids back a bit. But, you know, I think over time we're still going to get a high vaccination rate in that age group. And it sounds like it's going to begin in a couple of weeks, George. I mean, Health Canada now yeah. saying uh, they're starting to, to work towards an, an earlier date. And then the interesting thing is going to be how do we roll that out? That's about 350,000 kids. Uh, not as much, of course, as the general population, mm-hmm. but have to employ a fair number of visits to schools, take your kids to pharmacies and clinics to get uh, vaccinated in the coming months. And, and the urgency is is because we're headed into respiratory illness season, and we're, we're actually in it right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. We're already seeing our first cases of the flu. You mentioned in your promo for later in the show, yeah, yeah get your flu shot because uh, you don't want to get the flu at, at, at this juncture. Real quick, before we go to break and take uh, calls, uh, the what happened in Kelowna, the Remembrance Day ceremony, the anti-vaxxers overtaking it. Are there any legal possibilities there that they can deal with on that? Well, it sounds like the RCMP is investigating uh, that uh, incident in Kelowna. I mean, I think 98% of the population looks at that with revulsion. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing for these people to parade down the streets or go on the front lawn of the legislature, you know, whatever, but mm-hmm. to... to disrupt and desecrate a Remembrance Day ceremony, which is trying to honor people who sacrificed their lives for their freedoms. is just beyond offensiveness. And it's, uh, I think the police are investigating. Uh, Perhaps there's a, um, uh, well, who knows, who knows where it's going to go. I mean, you can get, uh, if they're, if they're going to be accused of intimidation or harassment, it is possible. I note that our friend Jody Vance uh, a guy went after her, an anti-vaxxer, yeah. went after her and me and a few other journalists. He's been charged with five counts of criminal harassment. So I wonder whether these idiots who showed up at that uh, memorial could be charged with criminal harassment. We'll see. George Offigan for uh, Mike Smith today. And Keith Baldry is here for Baldry's Beat, taking your calls and questions. A number to call us at 604 280 9898 We'll take your calls about COVID or about what's going on. What happened in Kelowna yesterday with the Remembrance Day ceremony. 604-280-9898. We got Ed from Victoria. Go ahead, Ed. Hello, um, George. It was absolutely, and Keith, it was absolutely bizarre, repulsive, inappropriate for those folks to show up in Kelowna and do what they did. They were looking for attention. They got attention for all the wrong reasons. And it was absolutely shameful. I I cannot understand why they tried to throw out, oh, yes, that's what they fought for, for Mm -hmm. our right to say what we want to say. 
there's a time and there's a place. Yeah. That is not time and that is not the place. Thanks, Ed. Keith, this is like from a public relations point of view. These anti-vaxxers and the way they are so aggressive, it doesn't seem like it works in their favor. I don't understand oh, their I, mentality of this. Because I don't think their mentality is the one you and I and the vast majority of our listeners have. They are in a completely different world. Uh, they are all about themselves. They're misinformed. They're ignorant. I think many of them just don't have a lot of good things going on in life. They're angry at the system, the establishment. They're leery of of government. They cling to conspiracy theories. And and that doesn't describe you or me or the vast majority of the people listening to this show right now. It's a tiny group of society. I see them on the front lawn of the legislature, on the the front sidewalk every Wednesday. It's the same tiny crowd, the same signs. Most of them are illiterate. Uh, not highly educated people, and again, not not aware, just not self-aware of mm-hmm. just what they're doing and how offensive what they did yesterday. I'm sure they don't see that it was offensive. It was offensive to the 99.9% they're so percent bl- of society. blinded by their commitment to a ridiculous it, cause. It, exactly. They are blinded. Theory. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. We've got uh, Dawn from Delta. Go ahead, Dawn. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, this is just a question about the Moderna booster. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a week and a half ago, my husband, who's over 70, got um, his invitation for the booster and went and had his booster. And he's had two Pfizer's. And while he was there, they more or less talked him into having the Moderna as the booster um, and said he would get better uh, immunity. Yeah. He'd have the choice, but he, he talked to two different people. Um, and I know because I've been a vaccinator that and the CDC sends me updates that when they first came out about it, they said Moderna for Pfizer and Moderna people. And then two weeks later, they said the booster will be Pfizer if you want or Moderna if you want. Yeah, it's, and, it's... and so now it's just been approved. So now he's saying to me, did I make the wrong decision oh, because they've just approved right. this? No, and no. Uh, they talked me into having it. And I, I yeah. think... I mean, I know he didn't make that the wrong not. Yeah. yeah, thanks, he didn't Don. Make the wrong decision. He, you know, he made he made the right decision. Uh, we have been told over and over again that the two mRNA vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, are, are basically viewed as interchangeable. That uh, you can have Pfizer and then have Moderna. You can have two Pfizer's and a Moderna, <laughs> two Modernas and a Pfizer. So again, it's not like we have an equal amount of Moderna and Pfizer at one site on any given day. Yeah, uh, it's not like a, 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 a sort of endless supply of vaccine. We buy so much Pfizer, we buy so much Moderna. It is stored and shipped in different ways to various parts of the province, but they are deemed to be interchangeable. So you show up for your booster, um, you'll get Pfizer, and now Moderna's been approved, you may get Moderna. The efficacy of these things are huge, and I think that it's, on the one hand we talk about the anti-vaxxers and all their crazy theories, but sometimes I also look at the pro-vaccination group. They're, a bit, they're, you know, they're doing a bit of armchair uh, doctoring. Uh, yeah, not Don, but I mean, sometimes you go to the pharmacist and they say these things. You're like, well, how do you, why are you saying this? Just give me my yeah. shot. Just give me a shot. I mean, don't overthink this stuff. Yeah. You know, rely on the medical professionals, the health professionals. We've been relying on enormous amounts of research. There are billions of doses that have been administered around the globe. So there's a, it's not clinical trials we're talking about anymore. We're talking about real-world data. Okay. Thanks, Don. Rick, uh, real quick, uh, your question for Keith. Oh, hey, guys. Thanks a lot. Um, you know what the guys, what the people did yesterday at the uh, Remembrance Day ceremonies was just yeah. completely, completely insane. But, but I think it really highlights a bigger problem that we've, we've accepted as, as a society, and that's just the degree of protesting that we allow 
across the board. It doesn't matter. We've seen it mm. in the last two years, insane protests that are, you know, in quotations mm. that are peaceful. But in every event, I guarantee you, someone was upset and, and annoyed by it. So uh, it just highlights we have to stop this kind of, um, or, or, or put some, you know, put some limitations on, yeah. on this because that, it's just getting crazy. Thanks, Rick. Real quick, Keith. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one, right? I mean, we've got 10 seconds here. <laughs> the solving uh, freedom of speech. is a, Allowing protests is part of our democratic yeah. society. But I think that one yesterday is an illegal of its own. And people do not uh, are not happy with that type of. That wasn't a protest. That was that was. That was just, I mean, way more offensive than a protest. Totally. All right. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate right, it. Take care. Have a good weekend.